We're in the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 24. It's the uh, disciples on the road to Emmaus. So a little bit of context for the Gospel of Luke. It's written primarily to the Gentiles, uh, offering them good news. That's a key part of the Gospel of Luke. The good news. Follow Jesus, receive the Holy Spirit, and have life. And Luke, yeah, the writer of the Gospel and the book of Acts, it's, it's really two uh, parts of one story. Luke shows how Israel's rejection of Jesus and the Gentiles' uh, entrance into the kingdom of God, that's God's plan. So Christianity, it's not actually, Jesus never meant it to be a new religion. It was a direct continuation of Judaism, the, the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was meant to be a, a direct continuation of that. Luke portrays Jesus' sincere care for the outsiders, right? The last, the lost, and the least. Jesus goes to them, the outcasts and the lowly. And the Holy Spirit is primary to Luke. This new life, it's centered in the Holy Spirit and how he unifies us with Jesus. So chapter 24, we've just gone through the crucifixion. Jesus has been buried. The disciples are in this place of complete unknowing. Their Savior that they've just been following for three years has been crucified. And now he's been buried, and, and they have no idea what to do. Some women go to the tomb to, uh, you know, bless the body and, and spices, and, and uh, they realize that the body's not there. The, tomb, the, the stone's been rolled away. Some angels appear and say, why are you here looking for Jesus? He has risen. And they're all like, okay, <laughs> we didn't expect that. So they run back to tell the rest of the disciples, and a bunch of them don't believe the ladies. <laughs> uh, a lot of us are headed men sometimes. But they're all confused, and they're, they're wondering, what's, what's going on here? So that's where we started, verse 13. It's the same day that the ladies have gone to the tomb, the same day that Peter ran and checked out the tomb, realized, okay, Jesus isn't there. What's going on? Uh, so the section I'm going through, chapter 24, verse 13 to 35. A couple disciples, they're traveling on this road to Emmaus. Uh, it's a village, probably about, there's debate on this actually, uh, either seven miles northwest or it's seven mile round trip. So it's pretty close to Jerusalem. And they're on their way just traveling there might be where they're from. So they're talking to each other, discussing all these things that have happened these, these past few days. And two of them, we uh, hear about one's name, Cleopas. There's no more information we have about him uh, or his companion. It could be his wife, could be another, another disciple, who knows. But they're, they're walking on the road, and Jesus comes along and joins them for the walk. Now verse 16, is a, this is key. Their eyes were kept from recognizing him. So these disciples, they don't know that it's Jesus for whatever reason. They're not aware, but they think, okay, maybe he's traveling from the Passover just like us, going back to his hometown, so he can join us for the ride. Jesus hears a bit of their conversation, and he asks them, what, what are you talking about? And they stood, they stood, stood still looking sad. 
This traveler has, this guy has just joined us. We're walking along, obviously, in deep conversation. Some translations say they're arguing together. Like, this is serious stuff that they're talking about. And this visitor, safe to assume that he's just been to Jerusalem and he's been at the Passover feast. He doesn't know what we're talking about. They stand still, a picture of gloom. And they're, they're stunned. How does this traveler not know what's been happening? Are you the only visitor? You must be the only one in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's been going on these past few days. It's, it's beautiful irony in this story. I love the way Luke has written this. They're stunned at Jesus' apparent ignorance of what is going on. And yet they themselves don't know who he is. It's beautiful. So Jesus, he prompts them, what, what things? What's been going on? And they continue on. Jesus of Nazareth, a mighty prophet, mighty in word and deed before God and all the people. Jesus had this huge impact on the, on the Jewish people. Many that chose to follow him, many that resisted, but he had a huge impact. He was crucified. Our, our, our leaders crucified him. But we had hoped that he was going to redeem Israel. The travelers, they're, they're deeply disappointed by Jesus' death thinking that was, a, that was a failure. This Messiah was supposed to save us. He was supposed to redeem Israel. You know, the first century, all, all through the Old Testament, in the first century Jewish nation, their view of the Messiah was going to be this, this mighty warrior that would come in, that would overthrow Rome, overturn their oppressors, and save the people, establish the kingdom in, in might and power. That's who they expected the Messiah to be. And yet, that didn't happen. And so they're confused. They're in this place. We thought he was going to redeem Israel. But looking at this, what's happened these past three days doesn't look like that. And they continue on, verse 23. Some of our, uh, 22. When some of our women uh, went to the tomb, they didn't find the body. And some of, of, uh, of those who went with us, they, we didn't see Jesus. What's amazing, these disciples, totally perplexed by what's going on, totally confused. Everything that they'd been hearing for three years leading up to following this amazing man, Jesus, who proclaimed the kingdom, he's just died. And now for some reason his body is gone? What is going on? They went to the tomb, but they, they didn't see him. And they lament 
over Jesus' death, this empty tomb. What is going on here? Jesus is right in front of them. So the first point of my sermon today, life can leave us in gloom and confusion. Jesus' followers, right, they, they trusted him. They expected him to save them, to redeem them, to lead them. And yet their hopes have been completely shattered when he died. Life left them in such disillusionment. What do they do now? Go back to fishing? Like what? what? Everything we've given up for three years, what do we do now? So I grew up in the church. Uh, from a young kid when we came to Canada and uh, grew up, I, I knew Jesus. I, I, you know, I went to Sunday school and youth group and all that stuff. And then our church split. And I walked away. Yeah, I don't know. It didn't feel it anymore. Or, or I was just so confused about what was going on and what I believed. So I walked away. And we have periods like that. Where, where the things that we grow up believing about God, about ourselves, about life, they get challenged and they fall short. We get disillusioned. We're, we're left in such doubt about everything. You know, a family member gets sick or we lose a job all the impacts of COVID. And when we question everything, God, what are you doing here? Is this, is this it, Lord? Because we, we feel like God is distant and he's not around. To be honest with you, I've, I've been struggling lately. Uh, Andrew shared, I just graduated from, from Bible college, nine years of Bible college. And uh, this week, this past week, has been so tough. I should be joyful. I should be doing well. And yet it's been, it's been such a struggle. Tension at home, doubting my, my place at work uh, and my call there and all that I'm doing. Are you feeling hopeless anywhere in your life right now? Life can leave us in gloom and confusion. And sometimes, sometimes feels like death. But we have to remember, there is always resurrection. Jesus takes us from hopeless to rejoicing. So the disciples, they share this with Jesus, just pouring out his heart, feeling so sorrowful and defeated. And Jesus, 
Now it's Jesus' turn. And I love the way the, the Bible for everyone puts it. This is verse 25. Jesus says, You are so senseless. You're so slow to, of heart to believe everything the prophets have spoken. Don't you see? This had to happen. The Messiah had to suffer and then come into his glory. And then Jesus, beginning with Moses, all the prophets, he looks at the whole Old Testament and he says, all of that, it points to me, points to Jesus. And and again, this, this realization that the Messiah had to suffer like, that, was, that was, did not sit right with first century Jews. Again, they were expecting a mighty ruler to come in. But that their Messiah would suffer, and suffer on a cross? Unbelievable. That was incredible. They could not stand that. And yet we think of Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. All those passages, Jesus went through those with them. So he explains all of this to them. And they're now continuing their journey, walking to Emmaus. And Jesus is explaining all of this. The whole scriptures speak about Jesus. He's opening their eyes to the word until he's ready to open their eyes spiritually. So they continue on. They're, uh, they're coming to Emmaus. And they're getting close to the, to the village, and Jesus makes it seem like, you know, he's going to keep going. And they're like, no, 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 please, come stay with us. Jesus acts as if he's going forward, but he has a much bigger plan than just the conversation. He wants their transformation. So they urge, please, come and stay with us. Uh, you know, we, we're about to uh, have this meal in, uh, in ancient culture, hospitality was huge. I know I can learn something uh, from them with that. Uh, but it's huge in that culture. That was about around the main uh, mealtime of the day for them. So please, please come in and stay with us, please. Jesus obliges. So he goes in, and they're going to commune together. Here's the second point of my sermon. Meeting with Jesus makes us eager and hopeful. Right? These disciples, they meet with Jesus. They're talking with him. There's something different about this guy. What he's been saying and how he's been talking, there's something different here. And, and he leaves them eager, really hopeful. Well, no, please don't go. Please, please, can stay with us. We want to hear more. So my wondering is, I still believed in Jesus. I would pray occasionally, but I was not living faithfully. And one night, I just came home. I was spending time with my girlfriend, and it's late at night, walking down our driveway. And I look up. And one of those nights where the sky is just full of stars. And I was empty inside. 
had walked away from Jesus. And in this moment, he, I met with him. He met with me. And all I felt was just worthless and dirty and not worth loving. And he said, I forgive all of that. Just come back to me. And in that moment of meeting with Jesus, I didn't want to keep anything that I had before. It was none of that mattered. It was it was worthless compared to my savior that I had met again. So where can you use hope in your life right now? Where do you need the goodness of God? I had this strong sense that the Lord really, really wants to bring resurrection life here today. So Jesus, would you just bless this place, bless this people with your resurrection life. That we would go from here different because you live in us. I've been struggling a lot lately with believing in myself. Believing who I am in Jesus. I'm thankful for children. Because they don't worry about that. Just childlike faith. Confident in who they are. Thank you, Lord. So all of our stuff, whatever we're going through, all those walls that we come up and they stop us, leave us in confusion. God, what are you doing here? Remember that he works everything for the good of those who love him. And yet when we're in that mess, we, it's so hard to see that. But we need each other to be reminded of that. Right? We're brothers and sisters. We do this together. Thank you, Lord. So Jesus goes on. He comes into their home. He's at the table with them. And this is fascinating because often Jesus is the guest. And for whatever reason, becomes the host in this meal. Whether the disciples just are aware of uh, some, you know, difference about this, this man, uh, want to just give him the opportunity, whatever, or Jesus just takes, you know, the command and just does it and, and hosts it. So he takes the bread. He blesses it. Uh, he breaks it and gives thanks. And just in that act, we think back to the feeding of the 5,000, think back to the Last Supper, those beautiful meals that the disciples had experienced with Jesus. Their eyes are opened and they recognize Him. 
he vanishes. I, I just think this story is so cool. If you picture that, you know, the disciples there, with the, they've got all the meal prepared. Jesus, he breaks the bread, gives it to them. I'm sure their eyes would have widened a bit. Maybe their, their eyebrows furrowed. Wait a minute. And Jesus vanishes. And we don't know from the text, but I don't know. I like to picture that in that moment, because Jesus knows, obviously, what's happening and what's going to happen. You know, he knows he's leading up to this point. He's, he's wooing them in, in terms of who he is and showing them through the scripture who he is. I just picture Jesus with the biggest smile on his face. This, just this big grin, you know, and I feel like oh, it's God's beautiful humor and just gentleness. Because as soon as they recognize him, he's kind of like, yeah, it's me. And then leaves. Like, really? You know? It's just, just t- giving them a taste and leaving the mystery. Oh, thank you, Lord. The mystery in that. He just decides to vanish. And they look at each other. Wait, wait a minute. That's Jesus. When we were on the road and we were talking together, weren't our hearts burning as we were listening to him? He was opening the scriptures for us. That was Jesus. We got to go tell the others. We got to go. And they're just in that moment, immediately, they get up and hoof it back to Jerusalem. What a beautiful story, just full of this dramatic experience of meeting Jesus, the risen Jesus, and how he just gently opens their eyes. Cleopas and his companion would never be the same. They met the resurrected Jesus. They learned death could be overcome. God has won. Jesus is alive. They rush back to Jerusalem, finally get to see the other disciples, and they say, The Lord is risen. He's appeared to Simon. The, the, again, debate on that, but I feel the best reading is that it's, they're talking about Peter. And Paul uh, speaks of this in 1 Corinthians. He's appeared to Peter. Jesus appeared to Peter. He's alive. And then they go and they tell and they share all of their stories together. And just soon after that, as they're talking, Jesus comes in and uh, reveals himself to all of them. So the third point of my sermon Communing with Jesus makes us passionate and joyful. The disciples had encountered the living Christ. And we know all through the story of uh, the stories of Acts and all through the epistles, the resurrection was everything. Our whole faith rests on the resurrection. We are resurrection people. Because Jesus overcame death. We too can overcome death in our life through him. And he gave them passion, joy like nothing else. 
The stories of, of the disciples, the apostles in Acts, where they're sharing and speaking to the, the leaders with such boldness. One commentator puts it this way. In a world where many do not know their place, their identity, or the purpose, the resurrection means that disciples can know that God is at work, that Jesus is alive and in glory, and that death is not the end. That makes us the most hopeful people. And life, life is hard sometimes. We, we go through some serious trial and difficulty. But friends, please remember, death is not the end. And that night that Jesus, I met with him, and he invited me back, everything was different from that point for me. It was really cool. I worked at Staples at the time over uh, those few years. And I remember people just speaking to me, noticing a tangible difference in my life, in my demeanor, just who I am. Wow, you, you carry yourself so differently. Why are you smiling all the time? Because I met with Jesus. I communed with Jesus. God works in our crucifixion times because they're followed by resurrection. So in your struggles right now, what you're going through, maybe life is actually good for you right now. Things are going pretty well. Thank you, Lord. But I guarantee something is going to come and it's going to be tough. That's life in that. Where is Jesus inviting you into resurrection? Into passion and joy? He never leaves us in our stuff. He's always inviting us into deeper revelation of Him, deeper relationship with Him. Deeper awareness of who we are. We are sons and daughters of the King. I don't know about you, but that is, that is so cool. That makes, gives me such joy. Because our God deemed us so worth it that He would give His life to raise us. So let me conclude. Jesus takes us from hopeless to rejoicing. Life can leave us in such gloom and confusion, disillusionment. Are you struggling in that right now, in some place in your life? Ask the Lord that. Jesus, is there somewhere in our lives that you want to just whisper to us right now, you want to bring life? Hmm. 
if you look. He doesn't want to leave us in our gloom and confusion. Right? Meeting with Jesus can make us eager, make us hopeful for more. And we've, we've tasted that. We know that. But we get so comfortable sometimes, and, and we've, again, we hit those points of struggle and despair. So where do you need hope? Because communing with Jesus, communing with Him, makes us passionate and joyful. Where is he waiting to give us that today, this week? So here's one question for you to ask this week. One question. Jesus, where is there death in me that you want to bring resurrection life? Where do you want to take me from hopeless to rejoicing? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the privilege of being your children. What a great gift it is for me to come and to meet my brothers and sisters here in this place. Thank you for giving us resurrection life. When life gives us difficulty, you do not leave us there. You are a good father. Thank you, Jesus, for inviting us into deeper revelation and deeper relationship with you. Holy Spirit, come and have your way. We want to be obedient. Be glorified, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Because we are resident.